I just hope that, you know what, we're better off being open. We're better off having the opportunity to showcase our films to our audiences than being closed. The situation is not ideal for anyone. I don't believe it's ideal for the studios. But, you know, I'm, I'm just grateful that we have products to show. This is the Box Office Podcast. I'm Russ Fisher, the editorial director of the Box Office Studios, which provides editorial content to movie theaters. And I'm joined by Rebecca Polly, the deputy editor of Box Office Pro. Rebecca, hello. It's nice to talk to you. Yeah, it's uh, it's good to good to be here as always. Normally, Sean Robbins, uh, chief analyst at Box Office Pro, would also be here to discuss box office results, but he's out getting his second vaccination shot as you are later today. So a big box office pro congratulations to you both. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. Uh, curious about side effects, but uh, not all that worried, really. Just excited to have it done, be able to move forward with literally everything. So speaking of moving on, it's a relatively quiet week news-wise. We've got a little bit to talk about with uh, Godzilla vs. Kong and with some release date changes before we get to our feature interview with Moses Babatope, who is the group executive director of Filmhouse Cinemas, uh, which is the largest exhibitor in Nigeria, uh, a region which is known expressly for its own cinematic landscape. Before we look in that direction, Rebecca, let's talk about Godzilla vs. Kong, which is still going strong domestically and and now internationally as well. There's not a, a, a ton to talk about at this point about Godzilla vs. Kong. It's still uh, stomping all over the box office as we expected it to with no major competition on the domestic front. The headline this week is that internationally it did cross $300 million. Add in the domestic cum, and it's approaching the 400 million mark worldwide, which is a, a pretty nice thing to be able to say again. A modest drop, actually uh, less of a drop this week than compared to the week before. Um, but of course, in, in terms of box office, we're really looking ahead uh, to next weekend to the performance of Mortal Kombat and of Demon Slayer, which is having its U.S. release for the first time after having broken the 17-year record for highest-grossing film in Japan. So box office front, not a lot going on, but I'm fine with having a quiet week if, <laughs> if I know we're having <laughs> movies coming out in a few days. Yeah, exactly. Having movies coming out is terrific. I, I'm actually sort of excited about both of those films. I had to write about Demon Slayer a little bit, and I'm consequently have been watching the anime series, which is, I'm not a big anime guy, but I've been enjoying it, and, and now I'm curious about the movie. So, you know, and obviously I'm going to see Mortal Kombat. We are hearing that Demon Slayer is doing pretty well in, in ticket sales, right? That's what I've been told as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm curious. We mentioned it briefly last week, I think, but I'm curious to see what sort of breakout potential it has. It's a specialty title, but we'll see what it does within the the context of the parameters of, of a specialty title like that. And speaking of upcoming releases, uh, we do have... Not anything remotely like the seismic changes we reported on in last week's podcast, thank God. But there have been a few changes, and actually, they're pretty positive, I would say, Russ? Yeah, I would think so. You know, the the, the big announcement is uh, that Focus Features has uh, Downton Abbey 2 coming on December 22nd. Uh, I, I have, I've never watched it at all. It's not a judgment. I've just never seen it. So 
It's not so much your beat. I'm not surprised. Uh, you know, I like the, uh, let's call it the masterpiece theater approach that has a phenomenal cast and has certainly made the careers of more than a few people. So yeah, I, it's just a show that I never got around to. Consequently, when the movie came out, I didn't get around to that either. It's my own shortcoming. It's very soap opera-ish as, as a property, which, you know, your mileage may, may vary on that. Obviously, the first movie did better than expected, I think, for a lot of people theatrically. And it was a good, fun time. There were good costumes. There were fancy people, you know. Yeah, what more I could use need? it right now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And speaking of soap operas, F9 is now coming out on May 21st in China. The greatest Shakespearean tale of our age. Hey, I'll tell you what, if the Fast and Furious movies are not soap operas, I don't know what they are. They're just soap operas with car chases. You know, it's like characters die, they come back to life. Han is back. This is fantastic. But, you know, it's a soap opera. And I think that's in part why it's done as well as it has internationally, because it's it's got those sort of chewy, big drama beats that everybody kind of enjoys, along with all of the car chases and uh, I guess, you know, like Downton Abbey, a lot of pretty people in extravagant costumes, just slightly different ones. Maybe they could be part of the same shared universe. There you go. <laughs> uh, hey, you know what? Universal owns Focus. It could all come together. I, you know, the I think F10, obviously they go to space and maybe F11, they go back in time and they end up at Downton Abbey. Call me. I can come up with a pitch deck for this really, really quickly. Like by this afternoon, I can have it together. <laughs> but regardless, F9, May 21, China, that's a month before it hits domestically. Uh, it's also going to hit theaters in Russia, South Korea, Hong Kong, Taiwan, Singapore, Vietnam, and markets in the Middle East during May, all of which is great, does raise one question, Rebecca, when we see this sort of release internationally for a massive movie like this coming well ahead of a domestic release, people start to talk about international piracy and what effect that could have on the movie's box office. Where are we on that question? I mean, it's. I think we're at the same point with that question as we have been for months in that we don't know. Like, yes, the fact that this movie is going to be floating around for a month in, in a variety of markets before U.S. gets to see it, uh, certainly that means that we could see piracy here. Uh, on the other side of things, U.S. chains have, as we know, signed agreements with Universal to say, hey, here in the United States, there's going to be a shortened window for our films, including F9, so that would potentially cause piracy problems in international markets, which Universal, by releasing the film a month early in key markets like China, uh, you know, hopefully they're heading that off at the pass. The Chinese market is huge for the Fast and Furious franchise. It's, it's I believe, been the top market for the last few films. You know, with China being further along in the recovery process than the United States, and, and thus, I think, having more maybe theatrical potential for that film. I, it certainly makes sense to me, you know, as to whether it's, you know, we've used the phrase a lot, COVID, a COVID play or more a sort of permanent-ish tactic that's going to be used uh, for other universal releases uh, going on into, you know, the back half of 2021 and, and moving on into 2022. We don't know, but I think for this film, it makes sense. And, you know, international piracy, it, it's one of those issues that, with the change that we've seen over the last year at this point to the traditional model of theatrical exclusivity, some of those changes temporary, some of those changes permanent, you know, it's raised a lot of questions. And certainly whether we're going to see a boost in movie piracy is, is one of those questions. And it's a question that we really 
don't have a lot of data points right now to really fully address. Uh, actually, it, it was one of the topics in our feature story this week, which, as you mentioned, Russ, is an interview with Moses Babatope, who is the group executive director of Filmhouse Cinemas, the largest exhibitor in the territory of English West Africa. To interview Moses, I'm joined by Daniel Luria, editorial director of Box Office Pro. Before we get started on today's discussion, a word from our sponsors, QSC. QSC announces the expansion of the QSIS ecosystem for audio, video, and control with the new cost-effective Core Nano and Core 8 Flex processors. Far beyond a conventional cinema processor, QSIS is a complete ecosystem that allows you to control and monitor audio and video content delivery just about anywhere throughout the cinema complex. Visit qsc.com forward slash podcast for more information. That is qsc.com forward slash podcast. In 2019, uh, which feels like forever ago at this point, Nigeria was the recipient of CinemaCon's Emerging Market Award, a fitting honor for a market that has seen an impressive evolution in both screen count and general movie-going culture over the last handful of years. In the three years preceding the Emerging Market Award, the territory of English West Africa, the market of which Nigeria is a part, saw three consecutive years of double-digit admissions growth. And then there was COVID. But uh, though Nigeria's box office was down 73% in 2020 compared to 2019, the number of theaters in Nigeria actually grew by double digits in 2020. Now, this is a market that over the last few months has been able to really compensate for a lack of Hollywood releases with a strong local slate. Uh, Nigeria, of course, is home to Nollywood, so they're a territory that is no stranger to a strong local slate. Their tradition of uh, local filmmaking, as well as a willingness of local stars and creative talent to really take to social media and utilize their followings to drum up support for movie theaters, has helped the Nigerian exhibition market immensely in its recovery from COVID-19. Moses, thank you so much for joining us. I first met you at CinemaCon 2019 when Nigeria was given that Emerging Market Award. Um, it, it definitely, up to that point, had been a very exciting few years in that market. Could you describe for our listeners who maybe aren't familiar with it what the state of the Nigerian exhibition market has been over the last few years and how it was affected by COVID? Thank you, Rebecca. Great to be here. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks for having me. Uh, you're right, we did meet two years ago in Vegas, and who would have thought two years from then, you know, the world would be how it is now. Like you rightly said, Nigeria is part of a territory in Africa called the English West Africa Territory, uh, made up of three countries, Nigeria, Ghana, and Liberia. Uh, Nigeria is the largest market in that territory, accounts for about 91% of the box office in that territory. Uh, as you know, we have a, a cinema chain called From Our Cinemas, and we also have a theatrical distribution company called Film One Entertainment, which is more like a content distribution company now because it not only does theatrical distribution. And if I was to summarize, it's a very, very interesting territory in that with Nigeria, modern day cinema going dates as recent as 2004 with um, Silverbed Cinemas. And, you know, for a country of 200 million people, 
We're still less than 60 cinemas, DCI-compliant cinemas. It's almost like a screen to a million people. It's very, very much underserved. Another key point is it's a strong local content market. So Nigeria has always been known for its you know, local content production, known as Nollywood. You know, that's the name of the Nigerian film industry that is widely known in commercial form. The cinemas have thrived playing Nollywood films in the last two years. It was very, very critical to the growth that was recognized by um, Coms- uh, sorry, by Comscore and indeed by CinemaCon to get us the award, the 2019, where we were named Emerging Market um, Award winners for that time. So it's a market, like I said, growing market, still fairly recent in terms of, you know, cinema going and cinema going culture, has a strong local content base in terms of creation, local content base also in terms of consumption. Before 2019, it was going at double digits percentages, so over 20% for you know, the last three years before then. And then 2019 was when we had the elections, we had some adverse weather conditions. We still grew by 8%, but that was the lowest of the last five years. So that's what's been going on in our territory. Unfortunately, COVID brought the upward trajectory to a you know, grinding halt. Uh, no one was expecting it. And in our markets, it was a lot more painful. Because unlike other mature markets, there are not just subsidies or palliatives or respites or some kind of plan to help restore the industry, particularly, you know, industries like ours that show good prospects. Unfortunately, we didn't have anything like that in Nigeria. Our neighboring country, Ghana, is still shut down. They've not been open now for over a year. And and Ghana is about 8-9% of the territory. So it shows you where we are in terms of government and institutional support for the sector. Fortunately for us in Nigeria, we have a strong trade association called the Cinema Association of Nigeria, which work together to really, really engage government at the state and federal level. I'm also secretary of the association, and we're able to find a way after seven months to get cinemas up and running again. Unfortunately, we were 70% down last year, but we found a way to galvanize everyone most of our members have opened their cinemas again. I think it's just only a few cinemas, if at all, that have been shot. I don't think anyone has gone bankrupt. And as we are in 2021, we're beginning to see some you know, um, signs of recovery. And we hope that it lasts. And one of those signs of recovery, uh, Moses, looking at the number of new screens and new sites coming into the market, it seems even though we saw that 70% plus drop in box office in 2020 in Nigeria, it seems that new cinema screens and new cinema sites, they're still on an upward trajectory, maybe not at the same pace, but there are still more cinemas coming to this underserved market. Correct, Daniel. Absolutely spot. And that was one of the highlights for us. Um, and if we, we widely circulated what has now become an industry reference point or industry publication, the yearbook, which we compiled together. And one of the big highlights for us uh, last year was the tenacity and willingness of developers and investors and people that love the sector to still get involved in it. So we had a good number. I think it's been a while we've had that number of new openings you know, um, last year, either before the pandemic, a lot of them was post the pandemic, you know, a lot of them opening. And we're seeing a lot of appetite for that, you know, this year. I think everybody is very, very clear that the entertainment sector in Nigeria is, you know, full of potential. And we're just scratching the surface at the moment. 
in terms of retail developments as well, a lot of the developers are beginning to see that there's a proliferation of supermarkets around. You know, you have community supermarkets and all that. But cinemas, it's not quite there yet. But cinemas represent a very important anchor in their mall development. So there's a lot of cinema incorporation, as opposed to six, seven years ago where they were not too sure data points didn't really exist. That is the case now where we have data points now, you know, confirming the fact that, you know, cinemas do, you know, attract people to the mall. So we're really happy about that. Um, it says, again, a lot about the resilience of the Nigerian people, but the Nigerian businessman as well. And it also says that if there were no demand, there won't be, you know, cinemas coming up. So it shows that people do want to go out to the cinemas. And we're excited about that. What we would want is an acceleration of the growth in cinemas so that we can also find commensurate investments in marketing of, you know, films coming out in cinemas. I think that's the next layer. As we're getting the infrastructure sorted, the next layer is getting marketing of these locations and marketing of the film showing in them, you know, in, a, in such a compelling way that people would then want to really, really, you know, be part of the experience. Marketing is something that was brought up in that yearbook that you mentioned, and a link to that will be on the podcast website. In terms of marketing, I wanted to ask you about uh, your experience marketing Nollywood films in 2020, because you don't have the a lot of uh, studio films coming in from Hollywood with their million-dollar marketing budgets. In a pandemic era or post-lockdown, so we're still in the pandemic, but we're no more locked down, we had to think about marketing very differently. I, I said to my guys, we need to come up with a concept called health and safety marketing. And what I mean by that is making the consumer, making the cinema goer, making them feel very safe in going out to watch a Nollywood movie in the cinema. So it was important to incorporate a lot of that messaging in a lot of the marketing communications going out. So everything from a little as, wow, we're going to be showing this on the big screen, but don't forget your masks. We're going to have a great premiere of this. Please make sure you're wearing your masks. You know, you're in, at the premiere and we're enforcing social distancing. So we wanted to take away the fear factor. Remember, a lot of people, you know, do want to come out, but there's a fear factor that this thing, look, particularly in enclosed place spaces. So we had to incorporate, you know, health and safety, you know, topics. We had to incorporate, you know, the COVID-19 protocols into our marketing communication. That was very, very, very important for us. It was also important for us to make use of the growing, what I would call, it's almost like a religion in terms of social media engagement that a lot of our celebrities and a lot of our, you know, um, filmmakers have now. It's a cult following that they have. We needed to think differently about how we use that, you know, to our advantage. When it looked like the um, lockdown was being prolonged, we had a rallying call of various actors and actresses and filmmakers using their social media forum to really kind of put the word out that look we don't have palliatives we don't have any support system like we have in the west welfare system all we have is these cinemas and a few other outlets for the cinema industry to be uh, for the film industry to be viable and basically when it came to the releases of their films we had to emotionally connect with the audiences again and look Guys, this is how we're surviving. Come support us in the cinemas. We've been locked for seven months. Give us a chance to show to you that in the seven months of the lockdown, we've been very creative. We've been working hard 
to give you films that can entertain you. And I have to say, the last quarter, really, it was Nigerian films that, that, that were saviors of the day. In the last six, seven months, Nigerian films have actually helped the cinema industry in English West Africa stay alive. Because we had a strong local industry, we were able to localize our marketing, we were able to incorporate health and safety into our marketing and the COVID protocols into our marketing. We were able to get the Nigerian films to perform well in the cinemas and drive audiences back. I love speaking with you for a piece I did on boxofficepro.com on local content about a film one film, Fate of Alakada, which ended up being the number one by box office Nollywood 2020 release. And I was shocked to find out that between when you decided when you were releasing it and when it was released, it was what, a week that you had to market this film? And, and largely because of social media and because of the people involved in this film really going out there and supporting it, like it became the, whole, the highest grossing Nollywood film of 2020 and you had a week to market the thing. We had a few days. In fact, we're not sure whether um, some cinemas outside, when we got the green light to open cinemas, it was first outside Lagos. Lagos is like LA or New York. Like Lagos is 50% of, you know, the Nigerian's box office. So we needed Lagos to be opened and we didn't know for till a few days, I think about five days to release. And we knew there was no point spending on, you know, out of home, no point start making standees because we don't have the amount of days to get them out and to get them seen. So we had to go to social media and thankfully we're working with a great partner uh, and producer and star actress that took it on her head and went all out with our 6 million plus followers to say, you guys have to come see my work. Uh, I have to also correct, Alakada was one of the highest grossing films, but was not actually the highest grossing film of 2020. It was a film called Omogeto, another Nigerian film which we released. But Faith of Alakada definitely set the tone. And considering that after our lockdown, we had something called NSAS, which was a, you know, political movement that went sour and, and became quite, you know, violent. And we had to shut down cinemas for a further two weeks. This film not only opened, but came back after those two weeks to top the box office and played well into December. So again, showing you the importance of the, the right local content you know, um, in the marketplace, but also showing you the importance of if you have the right product and maybe the right IP that people resonate with. If you also use social media well, you know, there is something there that you can convert. So there was a lot of learnings for us there, you know, of, of the resilience and the performance of, of Fate of Alakada. And if you have the talent and the performers who are willing to really go out and say, Save theaters, basically. See this, see this movie in the theaters. It's fine. It's safe. Come to cinemas. And I, I have to say, it's something that unfortunately we haven't seen on the Hollywood side by a lot of folks. Uh, we've seen it in, in national cinema industries in, in other countries, and we've seen very positive results. I think this is a great lesson that exhibitors around the world can take from the grassroots approach that Nigeria and its national film production, these Nollywood films, have had in connecting and engaging with their public. I think related to this, uh, Moses, is one of the issues that, that we've been tracking here uh, on a worldwide basis. With major studios delaying a lot of films, uh, that creates a certain stress on the market. 
other markets have been able to, to fill that gap with local product as Nigeria has been able to successfully do. But the other part of this equation that we haven't talked about too much is the effect of piracy when a pristine digital copy premieres on a streaming platform like Netflix, like Disney Plus, like HBO Max, before it has an opportunity to make its way to international release in markets like Nigeria that have to face with now a piracy threat coming from this pristine digital copy. What has been your experience with titles like Wonder Woman 1984, like Godzilla vs. Kong, as you're uh, battling this other fight on another front? Daniel, great question. I have to say, we're just looking at it from a perspective that it's a pain that we have to endure for 2021. That's how I think that that's what helps us go through the day. I just hope that, you know what, we're better off being open. We're better off having the opportunity to showcase our films to our audiences than being closed. The situation is not ideal for anyone. I don't believe it's ideal for the studios. But, you know, I'm, I'm just grateful that we have products to show. But look, the experience for Wonder Woman, because we're considered international territory, we had nine days before, you know, it went on HBO Max. So I, that was nine intensive days. But once it went day and date on streaming, you could see the immediate impact. Usually, as you know, as you have in the States, you would have a multiplier of an opening weekend. You are able to know the impact of piracy once that multiplier drops sharply. It drops for one or two reasons. One of them could be really negative word of mouth on the film, and the other could be very incisive, you know, widespread piracy. And I think in the case of Wonder Woman, I think it was more the widespread piracy. Although in our market, the, the film was not greatly received, but it still did record numbers for us. And I think it did those record numbers because people just wanted to see, you know, a blockbuster on the big screen. Thankfully as well, we have some large formats like the IMAX and the MX 4D and 4DX in our territory. People had not seen that for a while, you know, a superhero type flick. So that was decent. But one of the films that was really hit, quite hit by this phase that we're going through was Coming to America, which we were lucky, you know, and blessed. Our partners at Amazon, you know, um, gave us the rights to release in Nigeria. But within hours of the launch on, you know, on, on Amazon, it was everywhere. It was even physically duplicated on the road. And that was the one that was very, very painful because based on the opening, on the start, it could have done record, record numbers. But, I mean, this was a film where people were asking, why are you going to see it in the cinema? I have a copy of it in my laptop. People were tweeting that and tweeting and sharing file-sharing sites. It was that brazen. You know, unfortunately as well, we don't have strong intellectual property laws. We don't have strong enforcement. You know, unfortunately, I mean, it's been worked on. So, you know, they were getting away with it. One of the biggest, the issues we used to have before Daniel and Rebecca was physical piracy, more discs, you know. Our issue now is more digital, you know. Digital has also been sucked up into what people see as social. So, in be social, share, share a link, share it on WhatsApp, share it on email, you know. So that's what we're having to contend. We've not established ourselves with cinema culture. We've not fully recovered from the pandemic. And like you said, this is in the way. But like I said, we are still seeing, you know, people that want to come out and have out-of-home experiences. And we're seeing that they're really satisfied when the film is really great. 
But above all, they're really, really satisfied when they experience in the cinema. So everything from coming in, the safety compliance is there, the food is great, the ads and, and trailers are fantastic, the air conditioning, you know, the projection and, and the system. Those are the things that we need to continue to challenge ourselves to ensure that you can't rival it at home or you can't rival it anywhere. And I think that if we continue to do that, 2021 is just going to make us more resilient, stronger for any other kind of challenge that poses you know, itself in the future. Well, Moses, thank you so much. It's been great speaking with you. And I'm I'm very excited to see how the Nigerian market is going to rebound and come back stronger than ever over the next few years. I think it's a, it's going to be a really exciting time. And I'm uh, I'm excited to keep talking with you about it moving forward. Thank you, Rebecca. And Tana, thank you to your team. All I just always want to say, having this kind of platform, is I've always said for years that people should watch out for the territory in Nigeria what that territory needs, a little bit of injection of capital, and you'll see an explosive growth. I have a lot of respect for what's happened in China, but I I think with Nigeria, you can get a lot of organic, real, real growth because of the dynamism of the people and the entrepreneurial spirit. And I think it's in terms of capital, and I keep saying it for whoever is listening, that it's really small amounts of capital that can make a big difference here. I think the data supports that. And I hope that In a few years from now, we'll be able to look at those key moments where we turn the corner and there's an inflection point and there's an explosive growth. But thank you for covering what we do. And we hope that we'll get some good news for you in the future. Thanks so much. Have a great Great. day. Great. Thank you. Moses, thank you so much for talking to us. And Rebecca and Daniel, thank you so much for uh, putting that interview together. I had previously just seen the documentary about the Nigerian film scene back in like 2007 or 2008, I think, when it was probably a festival along those lines. Great introduction to the Nigerian film scene, but it left a lot of gaps, and obviously a lot of time has passed since that movie was put together. So this interview really broadened my understanding, and I appreciate it. Join us next week when Sean Robbins will be back. We'll be able to analyze the box office performance of Mortal Kombat, and I'm sure we'll have quite a few other things to talk about as well. This episode of the Box Office Podcast was produced, as always, by recordeditpodcast.com, and it was created by Rebecca Polly, Daniel Luria, and me, Russ Fisher. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you again next week. Mm-hmm.